What's up, Daw Nation? My name is Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to episode 42.5 of Behind the Daw, where we usually interview music producers, artists, music industry experts, and people of that nature on an emotional, philosophical, and artistic basis. But as you notice, this is a 0.5 episode. So what does that mean? That means that we take the audio from our YouTube series, In the Daw, where we invite producers to dissect their songs in real time, and we put it into podcast form so that you can partake of it on the go and get that perfect combination of emotional and technical knowledge. It is important to note that if you want to watch instead of listen to this episode, go ahead and go to Multiplier's YouTube channel and you can see everything there. But if you want to keep listening, then keep listening. A couple of things really quick before we get into the episode today. There are a few links down in the description that I want to tell you about. Number one is for the Patreon. If you want to make sure that we can keep bringing you these episodes forever for free, go ahead and check it out. It starts at $1 a month and we live stream all of the episodes that we do for In the Daw and Behind the Daw. We allow the patrons to view this live stream, to ask questions, to get to know the artists that are coming on the show. If you're interested in that, that starts at the $5 a month tier. So make sure to go check that out. The second link, down in the description is for suggestions. If you want to suggest someone to come on the show, go ahead and click that link. The third link down in the description is for private lessons. If you want private lessons in electronic music production or in social media marketing, check the link down in the description. The fourth link in the description is for you to enter to win a free 20-minute social media marketing consultation. We give out one every single week. Go ahead and check that out. If you win, I will notify you. And then finally, the last link in the description is for the free preset that comes with this episode. Elliot Burger was so kind to create an Ableton rack for a respace. It is in the song. It sounds like this. If you want that Ableton rack, go ahead and click the link in the description. Okay, so as I mentioned, we are going to interview Elliot Berger today. He is going to break down his song, Behind the Glass. It's amazing. It's the song that is playing in the intro right now. Who is Elliot Berger, though? He is a UK-based producer. He has releases on Monster Cat, NCS, Mr. Suicide Sheep, Airwave Music TV, and a ton more. What are you going to learn today in this interview? You're going to learn how to make glitchy drum beats. You're going to learn how to sound design a respace, how to do vocal chops, how to rhythmically use a FabFilter Pro-R reverb, and how to get 10,000 of the best orchestral libraries in the world for $20 a month. So if you like this episode, please like, comment, subscribe, repost, follow, whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you're listening on, like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Deezer, YouTube, wherever you're listening, it doesn't matter. It just helps us know that what we are doing is moving in the direction that you need us to, Daw Nation. And I would highly encourage you to check out the last episode of Behind the Daw. That episode was with Kara, legendary EDM singer. She's collaborated with basically everyone in the EDM scene. The knowledge, the information, the wisdom that came from out, I would highly encourage you to check that out. But Daw Nation, this is an episode about Elliot Berger. And so let's get into it. And without further ado, I want to introduce you to Elliot Berger. This is part two of what we're going to do with Elliot Berger. We're going to be breaking down his song Behind the Glass. If you haven't checked out the last episode that we did with him, please go check that out. With all those kind of vocally choppy things, how do you sequence all that stuff? Because that's one of the things that, yeah, it's one of the most common questions I get asked. Like literally, how do you sequence all these noises and stuff? A lot of it is honestly like kind of a trial and error process. So going through once you've sliced your vocal up so import the vocal i'll then highlight an area of it if i do it on some other audio in here if i took this for example highlight a section of it right click slice the new midi track and then in this menu 
I usually pick eighth notes because it works. I find if you pick transients or walk markers, you'll get random slices. Some of them will be really long, some of them will be really short, some of them will just be like chops and breaths and stuff. And if there's a bit of the vocal um, that's quite complex, you'll end up with all sorts of mess. If you pick eighth notes and you're getting concise, same bit, same sort of length every time. And if you time stretch your vocal beforehand, um, then it makes that quite a smooth, easy process. And it's a case of going through the vocal and finding cuts that you like. And then messing around with different rhythms and sequencing it. And um, I'll usually make sure I've got some sort of layer underneath first. Um, because obviously, if you're cutting it to a rhythm, you want to make sure it works with that rhythm as well. You know, if you're doing like a dubstep track and you maybe don't have your drums in yet, grab a loop, throw that in and cut it over that. Like, so there's some sort of consistency. Um, and once I've got like one bar, you can then copy that phrase and edit it each time. So these first three notes are actually repeated. These first three notes are repeated at the start of every phrase. And the note afterwards is what changes. So at the end of these four bars, we get this three note turn there. Um, and this note repeats from there, but it's different the second time it happens, etc. So you can get away with a lot of repetition, but the initial idea is very much a trial and error. And um, sometimes it takes five minutes, sometimes it takes an hour. And you might find again that you like, you have something that you think is quite cool, and it's like 90% there. You'll write your tune and you'll come back and tidy it up later. Awesome. So I suppose, yeah, for those who may be super, super new, it kind of lo looks really complicated, or there's what's look like almost seemingly random vocal bits but it's almost like try a few things and then once one, say one bar is good you duplicate it make a variation and then almost do the same again so duplicate that two bars and make a variation so there's a, a lot going on but there's actually quite a lot of structure sort of buried away in all this exactly like any good melody is always simple anyway if you're doing like a lead synth or anything you still want it to be a really simple melody this is no different as we both said like it, it might be a little bit of sort of trying seeing what sounds good you still have to make sure that the idea underneath fundamentally is really simple, really straightforward. Walk me through some of your glitchy sound effects that you have going on. That was really intriguing, really sound designy kind of ear candy that I was really liking. Cool. So this is a bit of a process to get to. So what I'll normally do first is do four or eight bars of drums and just sequence something as or some sort of textures underneath it. So this is the original drum beat. So it's really simple, but there's a couple of loops like this one that's got loads of noise in it. So there's something running through the whole time so that if you then go through and cut it up, all that noise and all that texture is going to get cut up and moved with it. And the same with the crash, like even though it's only four bars, the crash lingers on for probably like two or three beats. So when you're cutting that up as well, then that crash gets stuttered with it. Because I'll layer a crash later on, um, but as you can see, it ends up being quite edited by the end of it like various plugins and stuff but some of the plugins sound like you've used that plugin so like dblue glitch is one i used to use like years ago and that sounds anytime you glitch anything in that it sounds like you've used that and i imagine the same with a lot of other stuff whereas if you're doing it manually you're the only one who's going to end up with the configuration of drums that you end up with so other than making sure that the snare always lands on the three every time so that the rhythm feels like it works everything else is again trial and error cutting stuff up. So this is one of the cuts from the cymbal that's just been stuttered really, really quickly. Um, and here the drums, the kick drum's repeated, but it's pitched. So if I open it up, just transpose it. Um, again, that one's minus six, and I think that's minus six as well. So if I take this kick drum, for example, you can do loads of stuff with it. Um, 
So if I, for example, take the BPM here and oh, sorry, first, take the BPM and stretch it out. You can maybe like reverse that. You end up with all sorts of kind of weird and random textures by messing around with stuff. Taking like these little bits in here, and you can maybe go in and like repeat it. And if you repeat things really quickly, Ableton kind of processes it in a weird way and glitches it oddly. They changed it between 9 and 10, so I started this tune in Ableton 9 and then had to redo the drums again in 10 because of the way that it processes audio. You know, trying things like different warp modes, uh, all the rest of it will create different textures. And there's a bunch of stuff over here. There's also automating panning, which can make it sound kind of cool. So like over here, you know, little things like that. Um, and the actual processing on this is super simple. Like I've not compressed it or anything because all of the processing happens at this stage when you just make your drum loop. So I've got all the compression, the soft clipping, everything at this point, and then that's just sampled to this. Yeah, I mean, the best thing to do, to be honest, if you're trying to do this kind of thing, is just try every possibility. Like try every warp mode, try pitching stuff up, like 48 semitones or whatever, and um, pitching stuff down. Try stuff that isn't warped and then pitch that and that will stretch it out as well or whatever. Stretch this out. Okay, stretch that out. And then bounce that again. It will reset everything back to, so then we can maybe pitch it down. Yeah, so you can kind of repeat that and then I can maybe bounce that, etc. Yeah, it's just about messing around really. And once you've got different sections as well, you can like repeat those sections and then go in and make fine edits to little phrases. So once you've got like a, you know, if I copied this, so maybe over here somewhere, I could then go in and change the rhythm that it starts here or something that makes it interesting, keeps it interesting. What's the return track that the vocal group is getting sent to? Is that a reverb or some compression type thing? That's a reverb. So I have Pro R here, uh, which is just like pretty much the standard setting. And then I have Pro Q2 afterwards, which takes out any of the low end and some of the top end, quite a lot of the top end, basically. And then I send most things to that. There was a, a bit of time difference between writing Believe and writing this, and the process at which I did reverb kind of changed. I tend to use sends unless I absolutely have to now. It's not even like a CPU thing. I just find that you get a more consistent reverb, and you can obviously EQ it afterwards as well to take out any of the mud and all the rest of it. Yeah, so, and I have three. I have a main reverb, which I don't use that much anymore, so it's not really a main reverb. Uh, a plate reverb and this delay. Uh, and my new template has like a sh really short drum reverb on it as well. Your kick, it punches really, really hard. That was one of the main things that really caught me. So how, is it just sample selection or did you do something to it? So I've pitched it down to semitones. The actual sample is from a direct sample pack, which I rinse the drums from that all the time. So I pitch down slightly so it's got more of a punch, like a weight to it. Uh, sometimes if you're if I'm pitching stuff down, I might actually even slightly so the sample kind of stays quite tight, but I didn't need to in this case. Tiny bit of EQ to take out the mids to focus the weight at the low end and the click at the top, and that's it. And um, doesn't need any more than that really. It's all drums are always like sample selection. It's not necessarily about processing stuff to oblivion. Like if it doesn't sound good to start with, it's not gonna sound good at the end. Equally, if it sounds really good to start with, you don't have to do anything with it to get a good product out of the end. Like the, the way to view drum processing is, whilst yes, you can make a drum sound better with processing, chances are if you're using a good sample pack, then that's already been done. And unless you're like five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years into sound design, there's a good chance the person who made that kick drum or made that snare has a slightly better ear than you do. Kind of how to compress it, how to EQ it and stuff. So it's not like you need to always compress or EQ your drums. Oftentimes you can just drop them 
straight in and anything like that really good. To build off that slightly, like as you said, samples are compressed anyway, particularly drums. So if you're compressing them further, you're usually just squashing any life out of it at all. Particularly if you're getting like a, a dubstep or a drum bass or a trap like sample pack, those genres are really loud. And so the sample, the sound designer who did those drums is going to have squashed to make it fit that style. So you, you don't need to, as you said, like if it sounds good to start with, They've probably got a better ear than you. Trust it. Go with it. You'll be fine. If, if say, someone who is a, is a regular listener to your music, like, what would they be most surprised about this particular project? Like, did you, did you do any weird techniques or use any samples that are unexpected? Well, I've done a few kind of things that are, are sort of followed this glitchy line before. There's the re-space, uh, which was sort of a new one, and also structurally. Um, I had this idea for this intro and I had the first drop and I'd kind of laid out, I lay out a structure as MIDI tracks at the top so I kind of know where I'm going. And I sent it off to a few mates and was like, I, I had no idea what to do. Uh, and actually directs again came back and was like, don't, you know, don't have a breakdown. Don't worry about that. Just go intro, have a really long drop that evolves and changes over time and then have an outro. It doesn't have to be like, you know, quite long, especially with this kind of stuff. Like people aren't DJing it. It's not for that environment. It's for, you know, listening and enjoying at home or whatever. And so you don't need to think about having this sort of intro, build up, drop, breakdown, build, uh, drop, outro type structure because it doesn't matter for this sort of thing so yeah those are the two things that and this sort of like racy sound uh, which i've used quite a few times now but i think i probably hadn't before this point so taking like a chill out tune and just adding this like really aggressive sound to it If you keep adding everyone as Facebook friends, you hit this weird threshold where all of a sudden there's some weird feedback loop network effect hat sort of thing appears where almost everyone starts to add you and then everyone gets recommended as a friend. So especially for people starting out, if you just keep basically adding DJs and have a music-related picture as your Facebook profile thing, I'm pretty sure you can pick up like three or 400 followers and, and get really good re reach out to them just by literally adding every, every DJ on Facebook. And pretty much within four or five months, you can have like a full 5,000 Facebook friends that are, say, 4,000 of them DJs, which, I mean, it's not, not very targeted, but it's... It's still a way to at least get started if in that like two to three hundred follower phase trying to trying to get out of that. But with Facebook, if you really want to utilize Facebook for all it's worth, you want to milk it for all it's worth to be able to grow in, in a fashion that you want to, you almost have to sacrifice your personal Facebook page, not your, you know, like DJ page, but you also have to you just have to sacrifice like your personal first name, last name page in attempts to, to, to keep going. So if you're, if you're willing to do that, or if you're just willing to have two different pages, one you're willing to sacrifice and one you just keep for a personal use, that's fine too. But there is so many benefits with utilizing Facebook for the way that he's talking about the power of being able to connect with people from all over the world that are interested in the same thing. It's just like, it's like, what? Like, this is a cheat code to be able to do this. That's a really good point, Adam. And I, I would highly encourage anyone who's doing that, you know, if, the, if they do add you, take the time to know who you're adding, you know, the, message them, get to know them. You can not only get good friends or followers or whatever, but I mean, you can find some people to collaborate with, people to, you know, that can help you on your journey, like lifelong friends. I, I, that's how I met daddy, to be honest. Like, that's how I met Brendan, who's come on the show multiple times. That's how I met him. Let's go deeper into that respace. That was actually one of my questions I wanted to ask because that's, that's pretty freaking good. I'm not sure where the original sound came from, whether it was me messing around. It was probably, if I'm honest, like a, a YouTube video or something from a while back. And it's kind of one of those sounds I've had sitting around and not used, but you sort of throw it in tunes and you develop it and then you scrap it or whatever. It's all in Operator. 
styles don't. Uh, I use Operator a lot. I don't use FMA just because I find that Operator can do it better and because it's an Ableton plugin, it tends to run a little bit smoother. You got a good solid amount of stuff in there. Yeah, as I said, it's one of those sounds that I've sort of built up. Here we go. So this is the actual original. Which sounds like massively different. Whenever you're doing any form of FM synthesis, it's one of those things that's quite kind of scary and confusing for people. But something that will instantly make sounds work is if you I take this and... adjust the fine tuning of any um, of the other operators you can get this kind of like pulsing oscillating sound rather than having like a really static um, modulation it kind of moves and, and morphs and changes and so with this one it's just a whole lot of that quite simple waveforms two sine waves a square wave uh, although just having the first few harmonics and then another sine wave and just bringing those in uh, slowly, but each one is sort of off-center uh, as far as the tuning is concerned with a really long glide time. Oh, not really long, but 100 milliseconds, which is relatively long, uh, and sending it to mono. So all of the notes actually overlap quite a lot with each other, but it helps to create this kind of glide, particularly with that last time here as well. And glide sound do it a lot. Chorus and saturator, which aren't doing too much. Saturator is really pushing the volume, but not much more than that. Amp simulator. Gives a little bit more crunch and then some overdrive, which again just adds like some distortion. So the sound with all of that is really, really horribly distorted, but in a kind of quite nice way. And then it's just a case of filtering. There's a band pass and then a notch and then another band pass. Um, and because you've then taken so much out of the sound, then throwing OTC on it just to bring those tops back again um, and kind of squashes it out. I'll bring the volume back up. And then removing the mids, which is something I do in reef bases all the time because uh, like old metal guitars I always have like the mids like scooped out of them. Um, anytime I used to listen to a lot of metal growing up and so that kind of tone I really like. And then soft clipping again and then just some filter to bring it in. I mean this is just the side chain. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much it. And then it's just sent off to that reverb so it's got a bit of space to it. Pretty much it. What's the most difficult part of, I suppose, either this track or the previous track from the, the previous video? For this one, songwriting, just keeping it interesting without having a breakdown. I think my usual method of songwriting would be to do an intro first, whatever, and do your first drop, and then copy your first drop over and just change it a little bit on the second time it happens. Um, whereas here, it was like, I can't do that. It had to sort of evolve on its own naturally without getting boring and sort of creating a break like it's kind of filters down slightly at the start of this drop. So it has like a breakdown without having a breakdown. So com yeah, composing this without having it sound like boring or repetitive or whatever was definitely the hardest thing, I think. If you could go back in time and re-release the song, would there be anything that you'd want to change before you release it again? I don't think so. I quite like, I'm sort of a fan of like when something's done, it's, it's done. And that's, that's that. And like, I think with music, you can always constantly be editing stuff. Like if I went back, it would probably sound slightly different if I did this again, but you know, ultimately, like, I like this piece how it is, and it's it's come out how it is, and yeah, totally. I don't think so. Would you like our feedback on your song? Yeah, yeah, cool. Great song. I love the song. Actually, between Believe and this, this is actually, like, my more favorite song. It's just a taste thing, just because I like this, this style of, of music. I love, like, the really chill, the really ambient, the, like, the little 
clickety clacky glitchy stuff that you had going on around i don't know there's just something about that something mesmerizing about that to me and plus you had like the little the little re-space just come in and make a little entrance here and there and it was just like so like it was so amazing there's another song that's similar to this but not really that similar it's a it's one that virtual riot did darkest night i think it's called uh it's kind of like more kind of chiller way 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 chiller than what he normally does way chiller than what he normally does kind of more ambient kind of more darker kind of more you know kind of chill i guess you'd say but he you know he teases in his little sound design chops that he has and it's it's really really cool and so i was really intrigued with this i actually really really enjoy this type of music a lot and i would highly encourage anyone you know most of the time the people that we have on the show kind of have more i don't want to say aggressive music but kind of more banger ish music which is great and like that's 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 fine but i love this type of music this type of music is like what makes me crave the night and like being outside when the moon's full and you can see your shadow at night because the moon's so big like it's just like i love this kind of music so much and so I love what you did with that. As far as giving you any feedback to make it better, man, I I don't know if I can. Like it was it was a really good song, you know. I don't I and even as you were breaking it down, I didn't see anything technically wrong with it. This is a great song, dude. No, I think so. I mean, being compared to Virtual Riot is uh, something I will definitely take. Yes, I suppose similar to why I I don't really have anything negative at all to say about the track. So I suppose going in a different direction, so more of a feature to play around with. So I see you using Pro R, which has become my new favorite reverb. At least from my experience, not too many people know that you can actually sync up the pre-delay time to the grid. So you can choose like an eighth or a sixteenth time for the pre-delay. Which is quite really, really cool for the, the rhythm. Yeah, so you click that and go. Oh, wow. what? So yeah, you can choose like an eighth or a sixteenth would probably be the normal, probably an eighth would be the the more normal pre-delay time. But it means you can kind of end up using reverb in this rhythmic way, which I've been getting some really cool results with. Like it's almost become my default. Like if I'm going to choose a pre-delay where it's like a long and noticeable time, like more than like, like more than 0.6 milliseconds, I pretty much default to like a 16th or an eighth just because it's it kind of fits in rhythmically a bit nicer than just yeah. a pretty random time. Oh, that's sick. I genuinely did not know it was a feature. Thank you. And if uh, the viewers, if you're interested in Pro R, link down in the description, we link out to everything. So make sure to check that out. You did remind me of something, Adam. It was actually a suggestion that I had in the last track. So when you were breaking down Believe, you're showing us all your layers and stuff like that. You got to the one layer, which was, it was a cymatics preset. I think it was fake strings, right? Why not real strings, Elliot? Why not real strings? Uh, uh, I, I do the tune I'm doing with Lauren now, I think, has real strings in it. Yeah, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. One of the things on that note, that works sometimes really well is having brass. So like getting brass in contact and having that follow it because it's really bright. Totally a, a, a hack to, to getting like some of the best organic instruments that anyone can ever have. East West, they, they sponsored the episode. They do not sponsor this episode. This is just a genuine suggestion. They sponsored the episode that we did with Trivecta, the last episode that we did with him. So they have what's called the, what's called the Composer Cloud X subscription, which basically like East West has been around forever and they have some of the best things that's ever existed. And even just one plugin or, or one library, right? is like 700 bucks on sale but you can have their entire thing for 25 bucks a month. You can go in there and like all of it, like 10,000 instruments at your disposal. Like it's like what? Like even if you just use it for one month and you just like bounced everything to audio that you wanted, like that's just freaking insane. You know what I mean? So if you guys want that link in the description, 
Sounds like a steal, man. I didn't even know that was a thing. Absolutely. And then the final, final question is, did you have a good time, Elliot? Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. It's been great. Hey, Daw Nation. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Daw with Elliot Berger breaking down his song, Behind the Glass. If you like this episode, please like, comment, subscribe, repost, follow, you know, whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you're listening on. Of course, like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Deezer, YouTube, wherever you're at, it doesn't matter. Also, if you want that Ableton rack of the Respace, again, it sounds like this. Go ahead. There is a link in the description. There are also links for the Patreon if you want to join us in the live stream that we do with all the artists from now on. There's links for artist suggestions, for private lessons, to enter to win that free consultation. Also, make sure to check out, as I mentioned before, the last episode of Behind the Daw that we did with Kara. Oh my gosh, that thing was amazing. The knowledge that came from that, the wisdom that came from that, I'd highly encourage you to check that out. And on Friday, so today is Wednesday, but on Friday, there is going to be another Behind the Daw episode coming out, and that one is going to be with Christina Soto. What a perfect follow-up to the Kara episode. Another female singer, in the electronic realm is so good the knowledge the wisdom guys we're on a roll 2019 we're on a roll so make sure to check that out on friday it's going to be coming out at 9 a.m and Daw nation i want you to have a fantastic day and i'll catch you on the next episode